Hello, Legion of Audience. This is James. And before we get started today, I wanted to take a second and let you all know about the brand new Who Would Win Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get behind-the-scenes access like you've never seen before, go to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow right now. Who Would Win patrons will have access to outtake videos, early info on battles, and even get a vote on characters that we'll use in upcoming episodes. So if you'd like to support me and the show, head to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow, and for as little as five bucks a month, you can define yourself as more than just a fan. You'll be an official member of the Legion. Hope to see you there. It was a normal, windy Sunday afternoon. Out in a field, far from the bustling action of the big city, Ant-Man was putting the finishing touches on his latest experimental machine. Tightening bolts here, rechecking calculations there, it was nearly time to take another chance on bettering humanity. It is then that a war cry could be heard high up in the sky, getting closer as the winged hawk girl made her presence known on the scene. Ant-Man tried to greet her and figure out what she wanted, but that all became clear as she began smashing the machine, rending it to pieces. Obviously, this experiment had effects that he had not considered, but all Ant-Man could think about now was getting into the fray and stopping this stranger from setting back his research. It's Goliath versus Lady Blackhawk. It's the Scientist Supreme versus Nth Metal. It's Ant-Man versus Hawk Girl. Today on Who Would Win? And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comics, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gavsey, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ray Stekanis. In today's episode, by the way, we are bringing you the classic and never-ending battle between characters from Marvel and DC Comics in one corner. You have Ant-Man, Marvel's master of sizeology, yeah, that's actually a thing, versus Hawkgirl, quite possibly DC Comics very own version of the ultimate warrior from classic WWE. Now, as usual, I did the patented who would win Google test just to see how many times this match has been discussed. And this matchup has been discussed kind of, but not exactly. See, many people have debated who would win in a fight between Hawkman and Hawkgirl versus Ant-Man and the Wasp, kind of like a two versus two tag team kind of match. However, I did not see anyone discuss Hawkgirl versus Ant-Man specifically. So I'm declaring this yet another world premiere geek culture matchup brought to you by the only show who could do this battle justice. Of course, I'm talking about who would win. Ray, super interested to hear this. What are your thoughts on today's matchup? I'm fired up about this matchup, to be quite honest with you, James Gavsey. We got Hot Girl, who you've been, tr quite honestly, you've been trying to get Hot Girl on the show. I you've been suggesting so her for like two straight years now. This is like a November filled with characters that we've been meaning to get on but have never found a place for. So we're just taking one month before the holiday season and we're just getting them out there we got booster gold we got drist to Erden, and now we got hot girl and heck ant-man was on my personal bucket list as well for this show so this makes a lot of sense to at least me it does you know what we 
it's funny when we embrace these characters that we want to bring on that have, you know we've been fighting for for years and years and years. There's a magic that happens. Look, last week it was Driss Dorden versus Spider Man uh, 2099. You won that battle, and I got to tell you, it was a, a really great show. Uh, people loved it. They loved learning about this character from Dungeons and Dragons. And uh, again, it was a magical performance. And today's episode is no different. Different. Now, speaking of magical things, Ray, we have an announcement. Oh boy, I like announcements because typically oh, yeah. I'm. This is the first place I get to hear about them. That's true. Uh, you know, I don't always, uh, I'm not always forthcoming Pretty with announcements. Here's the deal. That's true. As you know, we enjoy an amazing fan base, the Legion of Audience, mm -hmm. made up of dedicated listeners and fanatics who reside on pretty much all social media platforms. And as many of you know, Facebook has been especially great to the Who Would Win show. In fact, Mark Zuckerberg just, you know, he's a huge fan. Oh, really? uh, he brought me to his place. Oh, yeah, yeah. He brought me to his place last weekend. I tell everyone that, you know, I took the helicopter. He actually teleported me. That's now a thing with Facebook and Meta and what have you. More on that later. And we talked for hours and hours about who would win. Ray, I'm surprised you weren't there. It was going to be like a really big, big party, celebrities, the whole thing. But here's the deal. Lightning has struck twice. Facebook lightning, that is. I'd like to announce that the Who Would Win show, on top of the Who Would Win community having our own show, the Who Would Win show is also now the official podcast of the Geek and Game Facebook initiative. This Geek and Game community, it's a number of groups. It's a number of pages. It's one big page. This place is amazing. I've been posting there for a while on Facebook. And I have to tell you, I absolutely love being part of everything going on there. And Ray, you know, pulling back the curtain a little bit, you know how much work we put into our Facebook group as well as our other a socials, lot. you know, a, a ton, right? And our Facebook group and the page, every other social media account, you know, we're just kind of pouring in overtime. And without a doubt, I can tell you this without any issue whatsoever, the Geek and Game Facebook initiatives, the groups, the, the community overall, the page, that is right in line with what we do. Great group of people, really cool stuff they do. So I'm just going to give my official plug for the Geek and Game page and all their groups just to introduce our fan base to them. So first of all, the Geek and Game uh, community has many Facebook groups for all types of things, like just hanging out and having a laugh, groups to help streamers and YouTubers, and even a group to help you find or sell that rare collectible. Geek and Game also has a website to find the next edition to your collection and even mystery boxes with chances at some really big Funko or Comic Rails. And finally, Geek and Game has weekly and monthly giveaways like the Who Would Win giveaway, Kibler's giveaway, Autograph giveaway and top fan giveaways. And here's the deal. So some more announcements for the Legion of Audience, the Who Would Win fans. Do yourself a favor. Join the Geek and Game Facebook groups and pages because we're also going to do a contest as well. Every week, there's going to be a winner of a $25 Amazon gift card. And all you have to do is watch the Geek and Game Facebook Live every Friday where they'll ask a particular question about the latest episode of Who Would Win where the top answer will win the prize. As usual, crazy good things are happening with the Who Would Win show. And we're so happy to be part of the Geek and Game groups and page and the whole initiative and the whole community. Ray, what do you think about that announcement? I'll be honest, James. That was a lot of words and I only understood about three of them. I have personally joined the Geek and Game community on Facebook. So they have me now. So that makes it real. All right. That is good. Yeah, Ray, it's, uh, it's a great group. And like I said, you and I pulling back the curtain again, we stay away from a lot of negativity. Look, you and I might disagree, but we love our community. We love how positive it is. We love how welcoming it is. And, you know, Geek and Game has done the exact same thing. So we're just happy to extend the family and be part of another great thing on Facebook. It's time to introduce our guest judge, making another appearance on the Who Would Win show. It's one of the contributors to the new Rockstars channel on YouTube. It's fan favorite and comedian extraordinaire. It's the one and only Tommy Bechtold. Tommy, welcome back to Who Would Win. Hello, my friends. How are you today? Great to be back. Great to be anywhere. 
<laughs> now, Tommy, uh, you're doing a lot of great things in general, but also with the uh, new, the Rockstar channel on YouTube, you guys are getting some monster numbers on there. Tell the Legion of Audience, our fan base, what that's all about. So at New Rockstars, you know, I don't want to speak for everyone, but what I like to do is we do a lot of breakdown videos. We take the, uh, the newest offerings from Star Wars, DC, Marvel, really anything that, that taps into that geek culture. And we uh, we do videos uh, breaking down the top moments and, of course, the Easter eggs. Uh, if you're like me, when you go to the movie, you watch very surface level and then you got to go back through and pick everything apart. I don't have what they call the, the cinematographer's eye. I mean, to me, it's all just a bunch of uh, wild colors and, and tight tight suits so uh so yeah so so i gotta go back watch six seven times uh, but these videos really help so i encourage anyone to go to new rock stars if they're confused or looking for more in-depth coverage of their favorite uh, geek movies and TV. now and tv now tommy you know you've always been someone who's understood the vernacular of geek culture but i never knew even though you've been on the show quite a bit i never knew what level of geekery you possess, if that's yes, actually a sure, word. Sure, sure, yes. Right. Now, it, 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 where are you on a scale of one to ten, one being like a race to Canis, ten mm. being like an amazing person like a Tommy Bechtold? Sure. Where do you find yourself in the geekery oh, Wait a minute. Hold on a sec right now, because you just put Tommy Bechtold at ten and then asked yeah. Tommy Bechtold, what number are you? <laughs> so I assume the that's answer correct. is ten based on your scale. That's one of the worst questions you've ever asked a judge in who would win history. Or, first Ray, of all, Ray, is this like golf? Is it lower? Oh, is the boy. lower score geekier? See, now, now my head is going through computations, and I don't like yeah. it because I'm not right. enjoying math. That's true. By the way, it's not like golf. I actually meant that question exactly as I asked ah. it, and uh, the correct answer is 15. Yes, I'm a 15. So, are I'm you a, more I'm a of a geek? Gamsey. Yeah, uh, 15. What? Yes. Wow, <laughs> that you are in some elite company, good sir. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> this is good. What what has been your favorite uh, geek culture offering, whether it's movie, TV, comic books that you guys have discussed? Uh, well, you know, I got to do a we, we do these breakdown videos of really good movies, but they let me last year around Christmas time do uh, two videos, one on Roger Corman's Fantastic Four and another oh, no. on the Star Wars holiday special. And then we kind of did like a reverse greatest hits. We did like the biggest like WTF moments of those uh of those and those were called bootleg breakdowns and those are my personal favorites to do just because you know we were celebrating the fact that like even the most serious christopher nolan batman the uh, just the movie the joker they're like one degree of, away from being these roger corman like crazy i mean like this the subject matter is so easily turns into camp just with like one wrong move so I find that fascinating, and and I, you know I'm I'm a fan of the good and the bad and the ugly when it comes to uh, comic book stuff, you know, adaptations. So, so, well, definitely when it comes to the Star Wars holiday special, I, I don't yes. even know what the recovery process is. Yeah, I you mean, know, I, you watch that. I had no, I mean, I had always it had been mythical to me, and then I <laughs> was like, you could watch the whole thing. I think a friend of ours, uh, and I think a man who's been on the show before, Philip Wilburn, was like, yeah. it's all on YouTube. Mm -hmm. So I watched it on YouTube, and I'm like, everything I thought about this is it's so much worse uh -huh. it's so <laughs> much worse than what i even expected and bless them Look, for a, lo trying. a lot of people like have an opinion on star wars holiday special i yeah. found that not a lot of people have actually sat down and watched the whole thing tommy yes like you yeah. and i both have yes and yes. i would say people understand that there's certain things but nobody understands that b arthur from the golden girls yes. has a musical <laughs> number in yes. the star wars holiday special we about don't talk about that enough 
No, and it's about aliens that minutes ago were trying to kill her, and now she's like serenading them about how it's it's like the original closing time that That's song it. by Semi Sonic. It's like the original closing time, and also I like to speculate how furious. Harrison Ford was during that entire like oh, just his level of anger <laughs> for being contractually obligated to do that holiday special because he's in it of the main cast members he's by far in it the most mm-hmm. and I'm like I mean of all the people you'd want like you're like Hamill probably would have been you know at least a good sport about it he had to have been just miserable <laughs> I do know that even for something so horrific there were still moments that I was like you know what I like this yep yeah, you know what? I got. I got to tell you, both of you uh, have my respect. I couldn't last more than about twenty five minutes. No, and it's, before and I, it's like I two just, hours long. Yeah, yeah, and it was a feeling of of anger and sadness yeah. and despair. And I was able to like taste the color yellow yeah. after watching James, that. I don't I, know yeah. what happened, James. That just means you don't hate yourself as much as Tommy and I. That's do. right. <laughs> and, well, and, here's the thing. Yeah. Here's the thing. First of all, how dare both of you put down B. Arthur? She was, and I, I, I would argue, still is a national treasure. Okay, so so Tommy, this bodes well. Your level of geekery is off the charts. You got Ray Sicanus representing yeah. Ant Man. You got me representing Hawkgirl. Mm-hmm. I think we have the makings for another classic episode of Who Would Win. Oh yeah. With that being said, Ray, it's that magical time. Please do us the honors and announce today's matchup. Representing Marvel Comics, the scientist who wanted to remove some insects from his home, but at the end of the day decided he couldn't evict his ten ants. Ant-Man. And representing DC Comics, the most extreme hawk since Tony, Hawk Girl. Two comments. First of all, I'd like to just go to the judge right now and ask to uh, win after uh, that first joke from Ray. And secondly, I keep saying, when you're saying Hawk Girl, I keep thinking you're saying Hot Girl. Mm. Are you saying Hot Girl or Hawk Girl? I leave it up to your imagination. Okay. All right. I just, I, you know, either could work. That's cool. All right. Now, Listen, before we Spider-Man go Spider-Man 29. You know how hard it is to say Spider-Man 2099 in French, by the way, which is how I think about it in my screwy head? Mm. That's um, l'homme d'araignée 2099. And why didn't you just say that over and over again? It would have saved us a lot of trouble Because that would be too simple. <laughs> that would have been a lot more simple. All right. Now, before we go any further, let's go over the official rules of a Who Would Win match. Rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the Who Would Win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality, and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. Ray, what version of Ant-Man will you be using today? Well, Ant-Man has been, you know, like three, four different people have taken the mantle of Ant-Man. I'm going with the original. I'm going with Hank Pym, the super scientist, the original Ant-Man. And I'm I'm here for it. Comic book, Hank Pym, Ant-Man. Let's go. Love it. All right. So uh, my favorite version of Hawk Girl is actually from Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. I thought that was an amazing version of the character. However... The DC Comics current version of Hawkgirl is insanely powerful and has some crazy feats. So surprise, surprise, I'll be going with a comic book version of Hawkgirl. All right, rule, yeah, who knew? Rule number four, debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons that are a long-established part of the character's continuity. Feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed, but will be given less weight. Rule number five, the winner of the debate is whomever the judge decides has the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal. And finally, rule number six, the judge is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto any point 
they feel violates these rules or established logic. Now, feel free to check out the official rules on our website, whowouldwinshow.com. And before we get started, don't forget to visit the official Who Would Win store. Get your official Who Would Win t-shirts, mugs, and merchandise by going to whowouldwinshow.com and clicking on the merch section. With the world getting back to face-to-face interaction lately, your oral hygiene is more important than it's been in a while. And Quip makes it easier than ever to get back into a daily routine. The Quip electric toothbrush is used by over 7 million people already. And it features a lightweight and sleek design without wires or bulky chargers that get in the way. And Quip now has timed sonic vibrations with 30-second pulses to guide you to a dentist-recommended two-minute brushing time. You can now upgrade your Quip with a new smart motor to track and improve your brushing with the free Quip app and earn amazing rewards like free refills, products, Target gift cards, and more. Quip even has you covered with available refills for mouthwash, floss, toothpaste, and even gum. In short, everything you need to build a complete routine. If you go to getquip.com slash www right now, you'll get your first refill free. That's your first refill free at getquip.com slash www, spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash www. Quip, the good habits company. We have a new sponsor for Who Would Win, and I think y'all might enjoy this one. It is Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile game that taps into everything we all love about Marvel Comics. You get to pick a squad of your favorite Marvel heroes you know, and villains, let's keep it real, and team them up to fight big bads like Doctor Doom and, of course, save the universe. Your goal in Marvel Strike Force is to power up your characters and compete PvP against other players in multiple different modes. And you know I'm not telling you all about this empty-handed, because if you're a new user and sign up with our promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, you're going to get hooked up with all kinds of free stuff to get you started the right way. Let's face facts. You love Marvel, you love gaming, and you got a phone. So take a sec and check out Marvel Strike Force using the link in the description of this episode, ideally, and use our promo code MAXPOOL and get the whole Who Would Win show hookup. Thanks again to Marvel Strike Force and thanks to me for this great read. Good job, me. And now, let's get to the tale of the tape for both of our combatants. Ray, please give us the details on Ant-Man. Ant-Man is a scientist who specialized in shrinking technology. He was created by Stan Lee, Larry Lieber, and Jack Kirby, and first appeared in Tales to Astonish number 27, but then the character was considerably expanded upon and fleshed out in issue 35 of Tales to Astonish back in 1962. Hank Pym is one of the five smartest people on the planet in Marvel Comics. He is an established biochemist who discovered what he called Pym particles, little self-gloss there, which which use other dimensions to effectively shrink or grow anything or anyone. When his first wife, a Hungarian political dissident, was murdered, he leapt head-on into his research to try and prevent injustice like that from happening ever again. Ant-Man famously can shrink himself down and retain his full human strength, or grow very large and amplify his strength. Ant-Man was also one of the founding members of the Avengers, with Thor, Iron Man, Hulk, and the Wasp 
and it was his idea to continue the team after their first big challenge. Fun fact, most people know Ant-Man on the big screen from the MCU movies, but Stan Lee tried to get Ant-Man made in the 1980s. Yes, out of his love for the character, Stan made a big push to make an Ant-Man movie, but it was turned down, one, because studios had not conceptualized what superhero movies were capable of at that time, and two, because it was deemed too close to the movie, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Mm. which had just recently come out. (laughs) Now, it should also be pointed out that Edgar Wright, great uh, director, filmmaker, had written an Ant-Man screenplay back in 2001, and it was actually brought in by Kevin Feige to make his movie for MCU Phase 1. Would have been like the first five MCU movies. Yeah. But... Wright wouldn't get on board with the shared nature of the MCU universe and wanted to make it a standalone away from everything else movie, which was never going to happen. So he got bounced from the project. That is Ant-Man. You know, I get it. They shrink, but I mean, that's kind of like where the story between Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and Ant-Man, that's, you know, they shrink. That's kind of where the similarities end. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. Hollywood, uh, what can you say? You know, I mean, sure. I mean, Rick Moranis is a superhero, so. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. All right. Well done right now. Here are the details for Hawkgirl. Hawkgirl first appeared in All-Star Comics number five back in June of 1941 and was created by Gardner Fox, Dennis Neville, and Sheldon Moldoff. Several incarnations of Hawkgirl have appeared in DC Comics, all of them characterized by the use of the melee-type weaponry and by large artificial wings attached to a harness made from the special nth metal that, amongst many other properties, allows flight. Most incarnations of Hawkgirl work closely with Hawkman, her superhero partner and slash or romantic interest. The first use of the name Hawkgirl during the Golden Age was Shiera Sanders, although Katara Hall's wife Shiera Hall from the planet Thanagar used it during the Silver Age. Kendra Saunders, a reincarnation of Shira, would later, later take the name. Regardless of her current interpretation, and there's a lot of them, by the way, Hawkgirl has established herself as a mainstay and heavy hitter within DC Comics and has been involved with a number of superhero teams, such as the All-Star Squadron, Birds of Prey, Justice League, and Justice Society. And here's an interesting fact about Hawkgirl. Did you know that Hawkgirl is the best chess player in the Justice League? It's true. Oh, yeah. Remember, Hawkgirl is a master tactician and has a combined fighting experience that all of her previous lives have to offer, which means her ability to outthink and outstrategize an opponent is off the charts and quite possibly superhuman. As a result, Hawkgirl has beaten every Justice League member in chess, including Martian Manhunter, possibly the world's greatest telepath, Wonder Woman, who's like a born warrior, and even Batman. Yes, she beat Batman in chess repeatedly. And now you have the facts on both opponents. Tommy, do you have any questions before we get started? My only question is, are you guys ready for some fun? Uh, Hang on, let me take that again. My only question is, are you guys ready for some fun? Let me give you one more option. My only question is, are you guys ready for some fun? That was my favorite. All right. Yeah, I I, I am ready. You know, I'm, I'm ready too. I'm ready. (laughs) <laughs> okay, I feel I feel the magic that the uh, Star Wars Holiday Special yes. did not provide will actually be <laughs> yeah, here tonight. The Star Wars Holiday Special is looming large over yeah. the top of this entire episode now. <laughs> to be quite honest, I feel I feel the presence of B. Arthur. Yeah. <laughs> yes. something's looming over me. Yes. She's like eight nine. She's very tall. Yeah, yeah. All right, Ray. In the spirit of B. Arthur, 
Please go ahead and hit us with your point number one. Point number one for Ant-Man. I want to devote an entire point to this because I think it's that important. It's that Hank Pym is one of the smartest people in the entire world. Look, I knew Hank walking in the door was very, very intelligent. But I'm like, well, obviously, he's not necessarily on a place with, with Tony Stark, Reed Richards, Victor Von Doom, Modoc, all of the pretty standard people that you would expect to be. Except for the fact that he is. He's on all of their levels, if not even a little bit higher. He's considered one of the top five smartest humans on the planet Earth. And I guess you would have to be to be going extra dimensional through shrinking powers. And he found these pim particles and he was able to make them work in a gaseous state that you just breathe them and you instantaneously go as small as you want because he invented his own suit in order to limit the size that you go one way or the other. So the fact that he was able to find this random thing that ought not be, quite frankly, he was able to kind of weaponize it in his own way and use it exactly how he wants to, he'd have to be one of the top five smartest people in the world. And as good as Hawkgirl is at chess, now I don't know where Batman has the time to sit down and play a game of chess. I'm guessing he threw that one very, very quickly, the old two-move chess checkmate that you can pull off if you know what you're doing. I'm guessing that's what he did to get back to, you know, fighting crime, the thing he, he actually is interested in. But good job, hot girl, on your little chess victory. This guy thinks in 4D, 5D, 6D chess maps because he's that smart. He's that intelligent. He's known as the scientist supreme of Earth. I said it earlier. I'll say it again. Because if Doctor Strange is the sorcerer supreme, the greatest sorcerer, that means that he's the greatest scientist on Earth, more so than Reed Richards, the guy who you normally think of as the smartest guy on Earth. Heck, Hank Pym created Ultron. He created Ultron in the comics. It wasn't some random Tony Stark thing. It was Hank Pym transferring his consciousness into this super battle and robot. And unfortunately, all of his very notable character flaws went into Ultron as well, creating an imperfect robot that tried to take over the world. But let's talk about this because, you know, Reed Richards, you know, some of these scientists are very, very smart. Like, obviously, they're very, very smart in one thing. They do one thing like Bruce Banner, really, really good at one type of science. That's what he does. Where Hank Pym really excels is he's good at all of it. He has a vast understanding of subatomic physics, robotics, cybernetics, artificial intelligence, pretty much everything that exists with the word science in front of it. He can do. He's probably good at political science if he really wanted to be. And he's done a lot of inventing in his own. Besides the fact that he was able to invent his own suit and harness the power of the Pym particles, he created something called a Toolbot, which is a little ring that can make 900 tools that he uses commonly. And all he has to do is think about it. And then the, the little ring in his hand creates the tool, which means that he can summon it whenever he wants to. And he has the right tool for the right occasion whenever he needs it. The other thing he does, he likes to rock around with something called the stinger. The Stinger, uh, well-named, I suppose, given his characters that he's played, but it's called the Stinger, and it's a stun beam. It's a very, very powerful stun beam that can knock people out. Now, I don't know if this particular stun beam has worked on a character, uh, a power level of Hawkgirl, but I'm willing to give it a try and see what happens because I have to believe if it's not powerful enough, in the moment using the Toolbot, he can just turn around, amp that thing up as fast as he wants to, and make it hit even harder. And that's my point number one.
So undoubtedly, he is definitely one of the smartest people in the Marvel Universe. I think the term they use to describe someone who's like a genius in multiple areas, is it the polymorph? Is that what it is? I think that's how Bruce Banner is described and Tony Stark. So this is no surprise. He's definitely insanely smart. Super smart, if you will. Quick question. How good of a fighter is he? I knew you were going to ask this question, so I looked it up. He's actually a master of judo, so he does have martial arts training. This came about in the very first Tales to Astonish. Before he was really Ant-Man, he was just some scientist who went outside and fell into an anthill. And he actually mm. used judo moves on ants to a very shockingly good uh, result. So he, he does know martial arts. That excited me. So he's, he's good against, you know, judo, where, you know, judo, which I'm very familiar with, he can throw things, he can throw people, throw beings, throw creatures. That's pretty cool. He's a good grappler. Submissions may not be that great. Striking's not there. It's still somewhat limited, and especially when we're talking about, like, you know, fighting superheroes. Okay, that's all cool. By the way, so he created Ultron. How did that go for him overall? Just wondering. I'd say it was one of his greatest creations. Maybe not the end result he was looking for. <laughs> That's greatest creation that took over the universe at one point and almost that. destroyed everything. Okay, got it. So Just, in other words, so these, my man so his inventions never done. get away from him. He can get it got done. It. And when he creates his technology, is it like an instant creation of technology or is it definitely like, hey, give me some time to prepare for something, to prepare this and whatever and develop it. I can come up with almost anything and some miraculous stuff. I'll talk about that in one of my later points. That's fair. Okay. And by the way, the stinger, I keep thinking about, you know, sting the wrestler. Mm. And is that something that Ant-Man can use? Can he shoot out sting the wrestler? You know, mm. for the purposes of this battle, I will say yes. Okay. Great. And, and great. which iteration of stinger are we talking? Surfer sting, crow sting, joker sting. There's been a wolf pack sting. Yeah, re regrettably, a... regrettably, Tommy, it is wolf pack sting. I, okay. Yeah. It's not the best one you could get, but it's still sting. We love Steve Borden and all of his various yes. incarnations. Yeah. Yes. Luckily, RoboCop saved him, I think, in the late 80s. Yes. From a uh, horrible beatdown. That's a fact. <laughs> says, yeah. Star Wars holiday special. All right. That's great, Ray. Let me get to my point number one. Let's talk about Hawkgirl's superpowers, mm. most of which are in common with Hawkman's surprise, surprise. So first of all, Hawkgirl has super enhanced senses of sight and hearing. You know, she's kind of got some properties of a hawk, which means she can hear things from far away, also hear what's going on around her while she's flying at super speed in the air. She can also do the same thing with sight. She can also spot things, especially really small things from far away. So, you know, if Ant-Man shrinks really, really small, there's a chance that, you know, she's going to be able to see what's going on and pick him off from a mile away. Uh, on top of that, she can fly amazingly fast now she can match hawkman speed hawkman speed which means that she can uh, reach an airspeed of 225 miles per hour during regular flight and she can get up to 500 miles per hour when in a dive bomb where she and hawkman have each been described as being able to hit a target as hard as a missile mm -hmm. which also goes to her durability as well so just like hawkman harkle is thought to be of one of the best flyers in also dc comics you think of like um the falcon and how good he is with his mechanical wings and what have you well hawkgirl takes it to a whole new level she can glide. She can fight. She knows how to move like no one's business. We talked about people who, who can fight at super speed. She can fly and fight at super speed. She can do both those things. She can dodge gunfire, energy attacks, missiles, all while fighting at that match level in the air. And remember, Hawkgirl is also an alien, uh, you know, in the current iteration anyway, from the planet Thanagar. And Thanagar has greater gravity on Earth. So when, the, you know, she comes to Earth, you know, just like Superman's free from gravity from Krypton to a lesser extent, 
Hawk Girl is also super, super strong. She's naturally much stronger than human. I think she can press probably like eight tons. A little bit not as strong as Spider-Man, but not horribly far off. As a result of this, she's also got super speed, super endurance, and super stamina. And the way I would classify all of this, her speed, her stamina, and her endurance, I'd say it's, again, lesser than Spider-Man, but still in the same class. But it's her durability that really stands out because Hawkgirl has tank punches and, and crazy attacks from Black Adam, who's in the same class of power as Superman. She's done the same thing in traded punches with Wonder Woman, Supergirl, uh, Superman himself, and even Shazam. That's the level in which she can play. Even though her power, her physical power, isn't at that level, she's actually at that ability with her fighting prowess to be able to be at that level and compete at you know a Superman class, which is crazy. And she hits hard enough with her mace to hurt all those characters I just mentioned. So it's not just that she can tank and kind of hang with. No, she can actually hurt them back. That is highly impressive. On top of that, Hawkgirl has an inhuman tolerance to pain, meaning she can take an insane beating. Think of Tony Soprano throwing the worst beating of your life on Hawkgirl. She'll stand there and take it and then start beating him right back. She just doesn't feel pain from injuries the way you know regular human beings will. We're talking about one of the best flyers of DC Comics who can move at super speed, is durable, can take punches from those powerful characters in the DC Universe, and can then hit them hard enough to hurt them right back. Put all that together, and that's what you get with Hawkgirl. That's my point number one. Very, very interesting, James. Now, a lot of questions I have because you brought up some things and sort of just let them lie there. If she only has the basic strength and speed of Spider-Man, in what world can she compete head-to-head -head against Superman in a fight? We saw what happened in a crossover when Spider-Man threw a flurry of punches at Superman. He broke every bone in his, in his hands and wrist. No, that's a great question. So here's the deal. I'll bring up this up later. Hawkgirl uses a ton of strategy. So it's not just that she'll go in and bash someone like Hawkman would. She actually knows where to hit, how to hit, and how to lure someone into that position. And speaking of Spider-Man, remember, Spider-Man actually has a KO over the Hulk. So when he is prepared and can take on someone of that, you know, superpowered ability, he's more than capable of doing a lot of damage. Same thing can be said for Hawkgirl in that same kind of and class. And Peter Parker's very smart. He's another one of the very smart people out there. Now, uh, another thing I have, so she can live, she has a power of eight tons. So you would put her in the eight ton category. That's that's excellent. Uh, interesting. I'll talk about this in my next point. Just want to make sure we put that on the record. Again, eight tons of strength is strong, I suppose. How does she do in other dimensions and worlds? Like when she is suddenly transported to another place, how quickly does she adapt? Does she find herself in trouble? Are there examples of her being transported and picking up right away? Yes. Okay. There's the deal. I believe you. I believe <laughs> no, you. there are. She has something with her that enables her to adapt to any circumstance, which I'll get into I'm a little bit. I'm sure point you will. Well. That's why I didn't, I didn't press it any further. I was just curious if it's something you've handled. My questioning here is done. Excellent. All right. Now, Tommy, you've heard points one from both Ray and myself. Where's your head at with this battle so far? Well, uh, you know, we're just now, I feel like we're we're very, we've just begun the long journey to Mordor. We are, like, I've heard some things about both contestants that uh, intrigue me, and I've heard some things that worry me. Right now, if you want me to ask where I'm, like, kind of at, it's basically... Who would win in an actual fight, a hawk or an ant? And right now I'm giving the edge to the hawk. But uh, <laughs> I have yet to fully commit myself to that decision. I mean, it's a long way to go. But I, I've definitely, I, I'll, be, I'll be honest, of all the times I've judged, I think this might be my fourth or fifth time, uh, this is the most I've written down ever in a first round. So I am, Interesting. Uh, Interesting. I am, I am interested in to see where the next couple rounds go. 
I love it. All right, cool. Ray, This the, the fight is on. Go ahead and hit us with your point number Let's two. Let's face it. We were just sparring in that first round anyway. Point number two for Ant-Man. Let's talk about his power set. We've only talked about how brilliant of a mind and strategist he has. Let's talk about the powers because obviously the ants come first and foremost. He has a helmet which allows him to control ants and all other insects a more recent ant-man character has controlled bees he's controlled all kinds of small insectoid creatures ants and flying ants are really among them now what exactly does this mean what are ants going to do well ants make a very very powerful distraction when they get on you when they cover you when they swarm you they are they are uncomfortable they're not a thing that you necessarily want to be dealing with in the middle of a battle they've taken out some characters on their own generally speaking that i'll get into in my point number three even but the ants besides being distraction can actually do things in the battle they can actually hurt you they can actually gum up your weapons uh there's one example that he wanted to take out the 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 pistols the firearms of his enemies and the ants brought honey with them went in the barrel of the gun and gummed it up with honey so these guys can actually like get be in the way little tiny saboteurs and can make bad things happen to the people that need it to happen to but let's talk about the big thing that he can do shrinking and growing this is the core of ant-man he can shrink or grow at will to very 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 large to very 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 small now what does this confer we all know from the famed garrett morris saturday night live sketch when he shrinks down to any size he retains his full human strength Against a character like Hot Girl, human strength is probably not going to get it done. I wanted to be very clear earlier, eight tons strength from Hot Girl is great. Because when Ant-Man grows himself or takes matter from another dimension to cause his own size to grow, he gains in strength to a very large degree. Ant-Man in his full large size, Giant Man if you will, has class 100 strength. 100 tons of strength equaling the incredible hulk who he's beaten in a fight before ant-man has taken it to the hulk when in his large form there's a great cartoon that i watched and prepped for this where there's a big old enemy a big strong bruiser guy who's like here comes ant-man here we go i'm gonna get him as ant-man's going towards him he's just growing and growing and growing and then punts the dude through a window and the guy was like, oh, I was not prepared for him in the time it took him to get from where he was to where I am to grow the size he did where I only come up to his shin bone at this point. <laughs> but that's what Ant-Man can do. That's what Ant-Man is known for. And he can do that to himself. He could do all that to other people, and he can do it to any number of objects as well. Deadpool killed the Avengers in his crossover, uh, Deadpool Kills the Marvel Universe, by using Pym Particles to shrink massive amounts of explosives into the Avengers Tower, lured everybody there, then grew them and blew them up. Hank Pym is also capable of such feats as well. He also gets a huge durability boost when he's in a large scale size as well. And since he can grow so quickly, if, if Hawk Girl's going to come in with something real vicious, he can grow to an exceptionally large size and then take those hits fairly well. Shoot, when he was a giant man, he just picked up a building, a skyscraper, if you will, and just tore it in half in his hands. He's got the strength to match Hawk Girl, but he's only going to do it in piecemeal here and there. If it comes to be a one-on-one -on -one standard fight, I would argue Hot Girl's got some advantages, but considering that Hank Pym has all these extra bonuses that he gets, he's punished Ultron in a one-to-one -one fight before. So if he can do that, 
I tell you right now, he's got what it takes to physically outmaneuver Hawk Girl, and that's my point number two. This is all really interesting stuff, so I do have some questions. You said that sometimes the ants that Ant-Man commands have been known to bring honey to the fight. That is correct. Is that correct? Yep. Well, that's nice. So they bring, like, snacks. Yeah. In case you ever get hungry, the ants will bring you some raw honey. Probably not yeah. as delicious as you wish it was. Organic? Definitely organic. No okay. GMOs in that, Tommy Bechtel. Oh, sorry, James. I'm marking down a big point for that one. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> it's, I, if it's the MCU, it's got to be organic. That's, That's some right. good crafty Fact. right there. That's right. That's fair. Okay, now when Ant Man grows really, really big, and this because I know the answer to this, what is what happens to him physically? Sure, he gets more durable, he gets stronger. How long can he retain those massive sizes for? James, I'm shocked you would bring this up. <laughs> he gets very tired the longer he tries to keep that form because he's just carrying so much more weight, it takes so much more for him to kind of maintain it. So mm. he can hold that form for a, a little while. That's why he would prefer to do it in bursts. He does it for a second. He takes a second to recover. He can do it for a second. He takes a second to recover. That's why with him being able to do it so fast, that's very important to this battle because there's a reason he's not giant man all the time. Mm. He just can't keep going in that form. Okay, so the other question I have is how fast is Ant-Man when he is that massive. When he is shrunk, he retains human speed, which is pretty good. He moves very, very fast when he's yep. shrunk. When he gets larger, his physicals just go up. Now, are you going to say, is he is he a Quicksilver or Flash level of speed? That doesn't make any sense, but he is able to move reasonably well for someone of that size. Got it, but he is slower as, as he gets to, like, Godzilla size than he I, would be if he was, like, 25 feet Define tall. slower. He can... Uh, travel more distance quickly well so could godzilla but he's not doing like you know crazy moves i think we're all we all know we're going with this all right i i like where you went with that i get it ant-man's known that's his base power point power set i should say he could be very small he can be excessively large and he's more powerful the bigger he is and he's still pretty impressive when he shrinks down all right cool let me get to my point number two i'm going to call this flying badassery so ant-man's a character that reminds me a lot of like spider-man or certain versions of batman on the hooded wind show and what i mean by that is these are characters that after after a first encounter, they're going to kind of get beat up because they don't know what's coming and they'll probably escape by the skin of their teeth. They'll prepare. They'll do get some intel, do their due diligence, and they'll come back with a great plan because that's what smart scientists do with preparation and advanced knowledge where they can control the plan and the landscape. That's where they're at their best. That's not this battle. This is not where Ant-Man's going to, you know, really be at his best. And I'll explain that in a little bit. Let's talk about Hawkgirl's Nth Metal Mace. And I'll go into more detail about what Nth Metal is in my point number three. So her mace can hurt Superman, Wonder Woman, Shazam, destroy Green Lantern constructs with the rings, and also can emit like this magical blast of energy to electrocute those in a close distance to Hawkgirl. It kind of comes all around her. So if the ants actually come to get her, she can electrocute all of them. She wouldn't kill them because she's not a monster, Ray, like some people in this battle. But she would be able to deal with like an overall attack by small little creatures, even including Ant-Man for that matter. Uh, in fact, her mace gives her what is called Class 100 Striking Force. Speaking of Class 100, which means she can hit at a Superman or Wonder Woman level with it. She can also hit someone at super speed. And this is defined that she can take a person, she can hit someone in the time it takes a person to hit, you know, one person once. She can do it five times in that same shot. So if I were to punch you once, she can punch you five times the same amount of time. She's also a master of using her mace, throwing it, and just like Mjolnir now, Hawkgirl's mace 
face now comes back to her after she throws it. And according to the DC Comics official character database, I'm actually going to use quotes on this, Hawkgirl's nth metal mace emits its own energy field, which increases power of the mace while also increasing the physical power of the person using it. It also has a defensive aspect, allowing the mace to shield Hawkgirl from elements, energy sources, and foreign elements to her body that may otherwise harm them. Now, what this means is her mace, that nth metal, protects all of her body inside and out and also increases her baseline physicals. So those eight tons we talked about get increased dramatically. Look, I'm not saying she's class 100 by any means, but all of a sudden she's probably pressing twice as much weight. She could be twice as strong, and that's thanks to that nth metal. Now, speaking of that, she also wears a harness and wings made out of the same metal, and this provides her with flight, the power of increased durability on top of what she already has. She can actually regenerate lost limbs, like a Deadpool or Wolverine, very, very quickly, and even provide for more durability than we even thought of before. And her wings you know, can also act defensively as either impact or razor-sharp bladed weapons, or act as a shield if it can wrap around her. Now, let's talk fighting. So Hawkman is the quintessential you know, Wolverine meets Thor meets Berserker that can fly of DC Comics. And Hawkgirl's slightly different. She's a great fighter, absolutely. And just like Hawkman, Hawkgirl is trained in martial arts and combat on her home planet Planet for like decades. But that means she knows how to use martial arts that's around her ability to fly, right? So she flies and her whole fighting thing is about her being able to fly with it. Now, but as I mentioned earlier, unlike Hawkman, who's a well-trained brawler, Hawkgirl is more of a tactician in battle. She uses strategy and her experience to get the win. And this is where Hawkgirl really separates herself from Ant-Man. See, it's her fighting experience and fighting ability, which also comes from every freaking past life she's ever had. She remembers everything, all of her training, all of her fighting experience from every past life she's had, and she's had a lot of them. So she's been reincarnated many times, and the current version, like I said, calls can recall everything she's gone through. Uh, you know, she's been that law enforcement officer from the planet Thanagar. She was royalty from Egypt. She's a superhero many times over. Again, tons and tons of lifetimes of fighting experience. And that's why she's considered, really, to be one of the best superhuman level fighters in all of DC Comics. And one of the reasons she's such a good fighter is she takes all these past experiences, not just with her opponents, but also with her allies. And this is what's really cool. So Hawkgirl has fought alongside a character very similar to Ant-Man named The Atom who can shrink to microscopic size and now can also grow to giant size. With the Justice Society, she's also fought with this character named Adam Smasher, who can actually go from regular-sized human to giant-sized person, who then has all the strength and speed of a monstrous Godzilla, whatever you want to do it. She knows all this. Now, there was this comic book series uh, back in the 90s called Tower of Babel, where Batman has all these plans to take out any rogue characters of the Justice League, and those plans are stolen and used against the Justice League members. Now, something very similar can be done against, the, uh, against Ant-Man, because Hawkgirl already knows what to do against these characters she's had a ton of experience with. I'm talking about the Atom and the Atom Smasher, plus all of her past life experience, plus the fact she's a trained tactician and crazy smart, plus the fact she's an amazing fighter. Put all that together, and that's when Ant-Man is facing, never mind her mace or nth metal, that's my point number two. I mean, look, she sounds very, very impressive when you say it all like that. But when you tell me that she has all of these memories of past lives, all that tells me is she's been killed a lot. She's been <laughs> killed so much that she has past lives to, you know, who doesn't have past lives he needs to go into? Hank Pym, because mm. the man has not been killed. Well, he has, but he got brought back. But that's not the point exactly. Don't worry about that. Um, um, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, and, and you mentioned things. So basically, the way you're describing Hawkgirl is she is a Spider-Man level character with the uh, power, with a one-shot power to hit with the power of Superman. In other words, she's the Krillin of this universe, and we just did Krillin from Dragon Ball Z a couple episodes ago, which also ties into the fact that she dies all the time. I would argue that Hawkgirl is the Krillin of DC Comics and deserves to get defeated in this battle, just like Krillin did a scant few weeks ago. Now, you talked about her fighting ability, her ability to boost herself for certain hits, but Ant-Man is crafty. He uses the shrinking power in combat. You can't hit what isn't there. So the fact that he'll see it coming in, you talk about hits five times in one hit, that's great. He's not there to get hit. What happens when she's expecting to hit somebody? They disappear. She goes off balance and Ant-Man turns around and pops her with something good right afterwards. Maybe a giant uppercut coming from where she's not expecting it. I think the way that she fights is excellent, but also Ant-Man has perfect counters to what she can offer. Again, I just wish she had experience. Oh, that's right. She does with characters who are exactly like Ant-Man, except possibly uh, morally more sound. All right, Tommy Bechtold. Mm. We are now at the turning point. Mm -hmm. You've heard two points from Ray. You've heard two points from me. Now you need to tell us who you think is ahead in this battle and what the other side has to do to pull out a victory. This is tough because... When you have two characters that are uh, both hyper-intelligent, you remove a lot of the mistake-making that would, that would lead to a 1v1 first encounter defeat, right? Like, they, they, there's, they, you can usually find a pretty, a few couple, like, pretty substantial potholes for one to step in. I would say right now, what I, what I need to hear in, in point three is some proof from Ray that, that in a one-on-one -on -one battle, Ant-Man has the physical goods to take out Hawkgirl. Because right now, what I'm hearing is basically like an unguarded dunk contest version of these characters. What they can do uh, against an empty, uh, an empty ring. So I need to hear what, uh, how they're going to do it when the, when the fight actually happens. And so I guess I, I need to hear a little more of uh, the offensive from Ant-Man. Because right now I have Hawkgirl with a slight advantage just based on I do like all of the, the past life experiences and and, and, the, and obviously like just the wings alone are just such a crazy weapon that she utilizes better than anyone, any winged fighter in, in comic books, in my opinion. So uh, that's that's where I'm at right now, guys. Very cool. All right. So it's another close matchup. I don't like being down, Tommy. I don't like playing from behind. All right. Now, Ray. You've been behind before at point number three, but you pulled out some massive victories, you know, so I, I don't trust this one. Oh, well, really? Okay, Ray, let's see what you got. Hit us with your point number three. Point number three. I just call this one victory shots because look, I've talked about all these things that Ant-Man can do. Let's put it together in point three and talk about what he will do, what he's going to do in order to win this battle. Because if Ant-Man shrinks himself down far enough, he sort of leaves the material world and joins something called the microverse. And we've seen this in the MCU movies where he shrinks down to it, a ridiculous like bacteria sized creature. And he can basically disappear into there and never be found again unless he wanted to, or if he never shrinks back or grows back up again, that's cool. But additionally, a thing I learned in doing this battle that I didn't know about, if he grows and grows and grows and grows past a certain time, he goes to a place called the Macroverse. If he gets big enough, he actually leaves this consciousness of reality. 
and he can actually take other people there with him, which is a thing he has done in the comics. He can go to the macroverse, the realm of abstract entities as it's known, and he can bring people with him going one way or going the other. So in a one-on-one, -on -one, stand in front of you, punch it out kind of a fight, I would argue Hot Girl has some advantages that she can take advantage of. But Hot Girl's going to fight up close. She's not going to attack from a distance, it doesn't sound like, which means Hank's going to be able to get his hands on her and do these things that he needs to do. Now let's talk for a moment before we really go there with some of the other things that Hank can do to achieve victory. He once beat Loki in the very first Avengers comic book story, the one the actual Avengers MCU first movie is based on. That's based on a comic. And in that comic, Ant-Man was an Avenger. He's not in the movie. The way Loki was defeated is his Ant-Man had a whole swarm of ants that he covered Loki in, completely making him freak out, completely taking him off his game. And Loki started emitting radiation in order to like get them off of him. He was radioactive at the time. And what happened was, while he was distracted by the ants, Ant-Man to God Loki shoved him into a washing machine. It looked like a washing machine. It was technically a lead line tank to control his radiation. And Loki was defeated. Loki was just plain out defeated by Ant-Man basically by himself in that moment, okay? So Ant-Man's got wins over some very impressive characters. Let's not pretend he doesn't. Also, he makes robots. He makes robots maybe even to a level of Tony Stark. He created a robot once called Salvation One, which smashed through a wall where the Avengers were and took them all out at once, including Thor. Look, all the crew was there. Salvation One stomped his way in and started wailing on him. What's stopping Hank Pym from having robots at his beck and call at any given time? and bringing them forth into a battle if he feels that Hot Girl's starting to get over on him. He could shrink himself down to a place where she couldn't hit him, call in a robot, and go straight out, you know, a gigantor on what Hot Girl is doing. Now, Ant-Man is known by many other aliases. He's known as Yellow Jacket, Wasp, Giant Man, Goliath. At the end of the day, I would argue, Ant-Man is just Hank Pym wrapped in some sort of metal uh, casing, some sort of suit, right? That's the core of who Hank Pym is. So I'd like to introduce to this battle because in very recent comics, Hank Pym merged with a character named Ultron. I might have mentioned him before. Hank Pym, Ultron, fused into one character called Pymtron in three different comic book story arcs, so it's not a one-time deal. And Hank Pym, with the power of Ultron, wrecked the universe. So if we bring Pymtron onto the table, a thing he's done, a thing he's now known for, I think he stands above, stands tall over the entire universe, and especially over Spider-Man level mm. characters like Hot Girl. Pymtron is where it's at. And even barring that, he could just take her to one of these alternate dimensions of uh, tiny size or big size, leave her there, come on back, and we're done here. Technically speaking, we haven't left the field of battle, but mm. there's nothing that Hot Girl can do to Ant-Man at that point, and he could walk away safely after two minutes. All of this together makes it so clear why Ant-Man is the winner, Pimtron. That's where I have to step wait, wait, in. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, go, go ahead. Go ahead, Tommy. Yeah, I have to I have to step in because I uh, 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 unfortunate wrinkle of having done this show uh, as many times as I have is I know what the rules. What are you rules. doing, Tommy? What and are you I doing? And I feel like a like a really nice friendlies holiday role. You you explained the core of, of the Ant-Man character as Hank Pym and then listed a bunch of other Hank Pym aliases. Unfortunately, 
when I got the email asking if I could do this show, I was promised a Ant-Man versus Hawk-Girl battle. So as much as Pimtron sounds like a funky robot from the future <laughs> and I'd like to party with him, I'm only going to uh, allow arguments uh, based on Hank Pym as Ant-Man for this battle. So any of these other fun uh, little side tangent characters that you've added are, are off, will not be considered. They'll be stricken from the record and not considered in my oh, final wow. decision. So wow. just want to make that uh, that quick announcement. If you don't like it, tough, tough, tough noogies, as my uh, grandma used to say. So. Tommy, I am disappointed. Wow. Yeah. Wow. The, the shade, this is shades of like Mjolnir. From uh, Spider-Man 29. I thought there was a good version of Wasn't that uh, how you say Spider-Man? Oh, yeah, it's a thing. All right. Yes, that's that's okay. Listen, I do have some questions. I do go by the judgment of our genius judge. Look, uh, I don't need Pimtron to win this battle, but I should be allowed to have him. Let me just say that right now. First of all, I think. I think Conan O'Brien didn't he have Pimtron already as like a as a bit on his show? <laughs> yeah. I have. Yeah, I think Brian Stack played Pimtron. Something, something that. like that. Yeah. yeah. Let me just kind of understand this. If he grows, if if Ant Man grows very big or small, goes in these different universes by himself, he's actually leaving the field of battle. But Ray, you're postulating that he would take Hawk Girl with him he and sure then could. leave her in one of these different things for he battlefield. Definitely removal. could do that. Yes. Got it. Understood. Okay. You also made a very brilliant statement. I need to explain this that he has advantages that he can take advantage of. Mm. Correct. The best kind of advantages are the ones you can take advantage of. Interesting. Okay. What? <laughs> You're not wrong. Why is Ant-Man known by so many other different names, by the way? Well, you know, he likes to reinvent himself, much like a Madonna, you know, throughout the mm. years. Sure. Sure. Is, is it because of a personal reinvention? Is there something else to play? Well, uh, many times he doesn't want people to know who he is because he's not the most likable character. Mm. God, he needs a secret identity from mm. his secret identity Sometimes. when the secret identity goes wrong. Sometimes. Mm. Got understood. Okay. All right. This is good. Let me let me get to my point number three, where I'm going to talk about the Nth Metal and maybe bring up some of Ant-Man's past, um, air quotes, issues. So Nth Metal, let's talk about that. This is one of DC Comics' ultimate things you know uh, in marvel you've got adamantium and vibranium and dc comics has a couple of things one of them being nth metal and nth metal is known for being able to absorb energy disrupt energy and can respond to all you know the thoughts and emotions of the person using it right so it's very reactive so nth metal is somehow part science and a very big part magic and now due to the nth metal fusing it's actually fused with hawk girl it's now not just in her mace it's now in her body coursing through her the anth metal is literally like just a part of her the same way it's a part of hawkman think of like a uh, venom with uh you know how how venom and the symbiote is kind of reactive but instead of having a personality now she's got that within her hmm. so in terms of the synth metal it's psychoreactive which means it's going to react to whatever the person's you know it's inside of it's going through and that means when the nth metal you know it's going to act on its own to protect hawk girl whenever she just sees something or she's reacting or she's being growing big or small it's going to react to protect her and you know again this thing disrupts energy so the quantum particles or quantum pin particles i should say uh, require energy to and to activate and to go up. The nth metal will disrupt that whole process, and the nth metal also provides Hawk Girl because now it's inside her body with another upgrade in terms of healing factors. You know, if she if she's stabbed or shot or hit with a bomb, uh, an arm gets ripped off, and all that kind of stuff. 
she not only gets repaired and regenerated, it's now not known if she can properly die. Because this is the first time ever the Nth Metal is actually inside of her and now part of her being, unlike her past lives. And even foreign microscopic agents that try to enter Hot Girl's body, because I was thinking, could Ant-Man go into her body? And you know, that was a running joke with Ant-Man and Thanos. Could Ant-Man mm. go into Thanos' body and just grow super huge and kind of rip him apart from the inside? The Nth Metal won't allow that to happen. It'll see Ant-Man as a foreign object. Even ants will be a foreign object, and it'll deal with all that. Plus, Hawkgirl is most likely able to command the Nth Metal to exit her body and then encase her trap Ant-Man in like a bubble of Nth Metal. It's something Hawkman can do with his with his current situation. And now Hawkgirl is sharing those same abilities. Mm-hmm. And here's the really cool part. You know, uh, Nth, model, Nth Metal only bonds itself to, in that degree with those who are worthy enough for it. So it's kind of got this worthy, if you're worthy of Thor, you can have it. Nth Metal has that same thing. It's like a sentient, magical metal. It's kind of really cool and kind of crazy. So quick question. Let's kind of change gears a little bit. Is Hank Pym worthy of something like Nth Metal or of even being mm. a superhero? Let's examine his past record of uh, shadiness, shall we? So Hank Pym, again, he's sketchy. And he's got some serious insecurities. I'm going to use that word, insecurities that have kind of affected his ability to be a superhero just a little bit. So one example, there's a villain named Whirlwind, and in a fight with this character Whirlwind, who could make tornadoes, oddly enough, this character made fun of Hank Pym about his failed attempts at being a really good hero during like a battle, and Pym got so severely traumatized by the words that it affected him big time in a fight, and then he went into a depression after that. A villain used harsh words, not even mm. swearing words, harsh words, and that emotionally traumatized Hank Pym. So I'm just wondering his mindset, right? If that happens. Here's another example of wording this. Hank Pym faked a rescue mission to avoid being kicked out of the Avengers. So at one point, Hank Pym is faced with being court-martialed by the Avengers for something bad he did. So he's suffering from another mental breakdown due to stress. So what does he do? He began building a robot that would attack the Avengers, but built in a weak point only he knew about, like only that he knew about, so that he could hit it to disable it and look like the hero. So of course he made himself look like a hero when the robot attacked. The name of that robot, by the way, Salvation One. The mm. same robot. Oh yeah, sorry, Ray Stacanus. Here's another mm. one. He even helped an enemy of his named Egghead to commit a robbery. And he couldn't even do that right as he was caught and then found guilty of treason. And you know why he helped out with the robbery? Because when he divorced his wife at the time, he didn't have any money. And instead of accepting some financial help from her, he decided it would be a better idea to help someone commit a robbery. This is who Hawkgirl is going to be fighting right now. Sure, he's a genius, but his EQ seems to be lacking. His decision-making seems to be out of whack. His worthiness, not really there. Hawkgirl all of a sudden is finding himself, finding herself fighting against someone who's not really worthy and kind of sketchy and almost a little bit criminal, what do you think she's going to do? She's not holding back. So these aren't even close to the really, really bad things that Hank Pym pretty much has done in the past, but we don't need to mention them right here. So the fight comes down to a super genius who can grow big and small and has done some very bad things in his life where he clearly crumbles when things get hard versus, you know, I'm just putting this out there, one of DC Comics' best superhuman flying fighters with lifetimes of training experience, who has weapons that are made out of nth metal, which can hurt Superman, but is now flowing through her body because she's worthy enough to possess it. In the end, hashtag James just knows that being worthy overcomes being weak and sketchy, and that is my point number three. Interesting, interesting pulls you got right there. All I heard you say was, Salvation One beat the Avengers. That's really the only important part. Yes, maybe there was some sketch along with it, but he did create a robot which did it. You made my point. 
for me. Now, you talked about the very cheap tactic, the meme of Ant-Man going inside Thanos. Going, Look, he would never he would never do that. He, I don't believe he's ever done that in the comics. And on the Who Would Win show, we do deal with how a character would actually react and perform in certain situations. So I didn't even bother to bring up the meme tactic because it's not something that uh, Hank Pym would ever actually do. So get that off the table right now. You know people want us to mention it. We've mentioned it. Let's move forward. Uh, you also talked about Nth Metal disrupting the shrinking and growing process. Well, PIM particles don't necessarily work like that. It's not like we're talking about electrical impulses or a machine or anything like that. But if 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 Ant-Man is trying to shrink down Hot Girl to take her down to bacteria level and get her off the field of battle, and she wants to use Nth Metal to disrupt that process somehow, that sounds cataclysmic to me. That sounds like something way worse than what he's trying to do might actually happen to her. That's not the kind of process you want to be fiddling with, okay? Mm-hmm. And then you talked about the Pym Particles. Yes, he's a sketchy character. I believe I've made reference to that, <laughs> as you just did as well. But he's also mentally unstable. I think that's a fair thing to say. If you use the Pym Particles too much, it messes with your mind and takes your worst personality traits. And this has been established in the comics. And it amplifies them. But when you're in a fight with somebody, do you want to fight against the reserved nice person? Or is it a little more rough to go against the person who's maybe got a Mm. screw loose, who's maybe coming at you from that perspective? Fight the Joker sometime and find out. That's all I got to say about that. As uh, hmm. Batman, I have fought the Joker. Much easier to fight the Joker than someone who's like trained. Actually, I'm kidding. I have no idea. Here's it's the weird, deal. James. You fought the Joker on this show and lost in early hmm. season one. Yeah, I did. I rep James Bond versus the Joker. I still think the right call was made in that one. By the way, speaking of disrupting energy processes and not going wrong, Hawkgirl's actually disrupted uh, Shazam's magical energy when he called down Shazam, the, the energy blast to turn him back into whatever it was, and nothing bad happened. If Sounds she can like magic that, and not tech, James, and as we've always talked about this show, tech always is better than magic really? every single time. Magic might not have a ceiling, but it's lower level. Tech mm. can take you to much higher plateaus. That, and we Tom, always Tommy, talk about this on the show. Yeah, Tommy, that and the opposite is true, clearly. Now... Tommy, you've heard three points from Ray. You've heard three points from me. It's now time for you to make a decision. Take us through your process. Tell us a story, if you will, and reveal who you think wins this battle. Yes. Well, this is really the struggle uh, battle between two hyper-intellectual beings, one of whom relies on his inventions, the other who relies on her spirit and will and and, and and natural gifts and development and, and or kind of organic uh, building of, of powers and skills. So it is a little bit magical and it is a little bit of magic versus tech or I mean, even though the, she does have the earth metals, they're kind of mystical metals, I think we would say. You know, there are certainly scenarios where I could see Ant-Man doing damage to Hawkgirl, but and I, you know, it does, it, there are there were times where I thought this was a route, and the reason it got closer is just because there are, I mean, the the the, the advantage of the microverse and the macroverse, and 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 Hank Pym's mastery of it, where almost every other character in Marvel that has tried to mess with those different dimensions has lost their mind or lost their life. Mm-hmm. It, it, that is a power to consider. So here's where I'm at. What we have is basically uh, chess versus 
a Russian slap contest. We have like <laughs> Ant-Man is the Russian slap contest of of uh, intelligence. Hawk Girl is the chess uh, chess representative of intelligence. They're both effective. They're both dynamic. But in the end, it, to me, you said, you know, would you rather fight the Joker, you know, like try fighting the Joker? And to me, what is the, happens to the Joker? He's a brilliant tactician who always, his impulses always get the best of him, and that's why he loses. And that's why I think no matter how smart or brilliant or, or genius his battle tactics are going to be, eventually Hawk Girl has infinite patience and infinite wisdom. She's going to wear him out, and he's going to make a mistake. And she's got all of those years, centuries, and lifetimes of battle experience, and she's going to see her, her opportunity to make a move, and she's going to be able to knock him out. I, it's just, to me, he's going to step in it eventually. You know, that's just what happens in the comics. He's basically, he's a superhero with a supervillain's temperament. So I believe that it boils down to Ant-Man's impulsiveness being his undoing. And I think Hawkgirl would have her, her, uh, her, she would beat almost anyone you put up against, to be fair. I don't, I don't I think there's very few people that could defeat Hawkgirl one-on-one. So I, uh, I, I congratulate both of you on good arguments, but my winner tonight is Hawk Girl. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the genius judge. I'm just going to call you the genius judge. Tommy Bechtold has given his decision, and yet again, the world is a just place. Race to Canis. Well played, sir. How do you feel right now knowing that your opponent, Ant-Man, came out with a loss? Much like in a previous battle that Tommy Bechtold had been the judge of, Venom versus Hellboy, where I presented a clearly better argument. Here we go. Only to find out that Venom was Tommy's favorite character as a kid, and I had no chance walking in the door because of unfortunate circumstance. To now hear the way Tommy talks about Hot Girl. I had no idea, Tommy, that you dated Hot Girl in high school and had such fond reverence and feelings still for her today. I feel like next time Tommy Bechtold comes on the show, we vet him for top 10 favorite characters of all time to make sure James isn't, wait a minute. I'm getting it from the producer. Oh, we did do that. That's why James keeps picking these characters. That's what I do. Battles with Tommy Bechtold. This makes a lot of sense. Listen, Shady James strikes again. Listen, Ray, you can find information about anyone online these days. You can find dating history, mm. arrest records, uh, you know, favorite TV shows, all that kind of good stuff. I may have done a little research, you know, because we both do a ton for the show. I may have done a little extra research on our judge when I suggested this matchup because we found out about the judge before we kind of establish the matchup not saying shenanigans i'm saying shenanigans mm. none of this is surprising to me <laughs> listen sorry. race to canis you've been on a tear you've been coming up with some great victories and that means i got one or two choices either i can still continue to play fair and play the good fight and win the battle and all that kind of good or i can do what i do best intoxicating mind fog before the match even happens there All I'm go. going to say right now is, James, you better watch out for next week. I'm going to come harder than I've ever come before. Oh, God. Tommy Bechtold, you, you, you are a pleasure. 
Oh, my pleasure. pleasure always, guys. Please have me back on. <laughs> so, well, anytime. Seriously, uh, yeah. you know, when we talk about great judges, uh, your name inevitably comes up right away. We well, love having uh, you on the Tommy, show. Apparently, we've got like seven or eight more characters that you love that we haven't done yet. So <laughs> we just got to work through the list, apparently. I, the, the whole production, who would win production team has gotten the memo on your personal favorite, you know, characters, what foods you like. I haven't. Well, the people that matter, the people that matter got the information. <laughs> Tommy, again, yes. thank you so much. You were fantastic as always. And, uh, you know, please come back. Tell everyone where they can find you online. You can find me on all social medias at Tommy Bechtold. T-O-M-M-Y-B-E-C-H-T-O-L-D. Thanks again, guys. Always a pleasure. Awesome. Race to Canis. I like what you did with today's matchup. You fell a little short, but not by much. You made it very competitive. Tell everyone where they can find you online. You know, a lot of people would argue I won this matchup. How? I would be forefront of that opinion. Mm. What I'm going to say is I don't want to talk about this show anymore. I'm going to talk about gutting the sacred cow. They finally hashtag released the Ray cut. My episode tearing down the original Highlander movie How is you. now live in the gutting the sacred cow feed. If you would like to hear me going absolutely nuts Tearing apart one of the most overrated sci-fi action movies of all time. Unbelievable. Highlander, go check out Gutting the Sacred Cow. I'm on there, and I am furious. I basically bottled the feeling I'm having right now about this battle. And I went back in time and gave it to myself before we recorded that episode. Gutting the Sacred Cow on your podcast dial. Find Ray there. Hashtag release the Ray cut. Or you can find me on Twitter at Almighty Ray. Ray Sicanus is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> no. Just put, how, how could you put down? How, anyway, that's that conversation for later. All right. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by typing in at James Gavs. You remember to join the official Who Would Win Facebook group to make a suggestion for a matchup for the show and to be part of our growing community. You can also find us on Instagram at Who Would Win Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you go for your podcasts. On behalf of myself, Ray Sicana, Zoit Media, Geek and Games, and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win team, thank you once again for listening to another episode of Who Would Win. We'll see you next time. What's up, everyone? Brian here, host of the TV and Movie Trivia Podcast. It's a trivia-style podcast focusing on TV and movies. Listen in for questions like, what's the name of Michael Scott's screenplay? What do you say to view the Marauder's map? What are Tony Stark's last words to Thanos in Avengers Endgame? And where does Ron Burgundy say he is when he calls the news station sobbing from a phone booth? I've covered The Office, Harry Potter, Marvel, Will Ferrell movies, Lord of the Rings, and more, with even more on the way. So play along to the TV and Movie Trivia Podcast anywhere you get podcasts, and stay tuned for more trivia!